seconds. Let's continue to. Uh, I mean, I'm going to read God's word. So it's part of worship. So <laughs> read God's word, and Dan's going to uh, read the word of God for us. Thank you, Dan. Uh, we're going to continue looking at the psalm which we began earlier, Psalm 73, and we'll begin from verse 12. So Psalm 73, starting at verse 12. This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This is God's word. Well, let's pray, friends. Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand it, to practice it, to live it, Lord, take away distractions from our hearts and minds. I pray for myself, as I bring your word to your precious people, that you would use me for your glory and praise, in the name of Jesus, Amen. Well, friends, let me begin with a question. Question is this, does trust in God make sense? Does trust in God make sense? Someone was driving past this place uh, the weekend and had seen this title on a notice board. And the person asked me, well, do you think really, Chris, trusting God makes sense in today's world? Why trust God? A few months ago, someone asked me a similar question. Why should I trust God? I'm going through all of these challenges in my personal life. Life is really tough. It seems that my non-Christian friends are having it easy. Why should I trust God? Does Does trust in God make sense? For us. Well, I want to give you a, a setting of this psalm, and we're going to look at this psalm together this morning and try and address uh, this important question. 
Does trust in God make sense? And I hope at the end of this uh, message, uh, we, will have, we will have an answer uh, to this question as the psalmist did himself. Just the historical setting of Psalm 73, I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open uh, to that psalm because we're going to work our way through that psalm. So if it's possible, that would be really great. You see, this psalm is attributed to a person by the name of Asaph. Now, Hesap was a member of the tribe of Levi. He was one of the music leaders appointed by David to lead the music, to lead the worship. For example, we see this in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, 16 and 17. David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as Musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres and harps and cymbals. And so the Levites appointed Eman, son of Joel, from his relatives, Asap, son of Berechiah, from their relatives. So Asap was a music leader, leading and helping God's people in worship. We had a music seminar here on Friday evening. And for those of us who were able to attend from our music team, I think we were really blessed. We had a great evening uh, with Andy May uh, and what it means to lead and to sing and to give praise and thanks to God. So Asap had that responsibility. And then later Asap was put in charge of worship music by David. He was put in charge of that which was performed in the tent of meeting before the temple was built. And Asaph himself composed many psalms. Uh, there are 12 psalms that are attributed to Asaph. They are Psalm 50 and then we have Psalms 73 onwards. Now this psalm here in Psalm 73 is, is kind of close in style with Psalm 37 and Psalm 49. They're kind of close in their style as well. And Asap, in this particular psalm, was struggling with a major issue in his life in terms of his understanding of life and how God fits in to his particular worldview in terms of his own faith and in terms of living in this world and looking at those who do not have any faith in God. And so this issue takes center stage in the psalm. And he addresses the problem of why does the ungodly, and he, titles, and he calls them the wicked, ungodly, seem to go through life with no major problems, and they seem to prosper in life as compared to God's people, the godly who go through life with many challenges and so much of suffering. Why? So, Asaph was struggling with the prosperity of the wicked, the ungodly. And he was trying to, to reconcile his theology, his understanding of God, and how it worked out in the theater of life in the real world. After all, our theology is applied in the real world. Right? We live in the real world. We learn about God and then we go out and try to live this life 
in the real world. So Asaph was struggling with the prosperity of the wicked. He was trying to reconcile that he was perplexed at the prosperity of the ungodly and the suffering of God's people. So in verse 1 we see, he says, God is good, verses 1 and 2, but. See, Asaph begins the psalm with the statement about God's goodness to Israel. Surely, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. You see, last week when, I, when we looked at Psalm 34, I spoke briefly about the goodness of God. And we noted that the goodness of God is an attribute of God. And we also addressed the issue and the questions about evil and suffering in the world and how that relates to God's goodness. Now, I don't plan, plan to expand on the goodness of God further this morning. But what we see here is that Asaph acknowledged the fact that the God he worshipped was good. Is that correct? That's the starting point. That the God that you and I worship is good. And he was good to Israel. And Asaph knew of the relationship that God had with his people. Surely God was good to Israel. You see, because Israel was God's covenant people and they had experienced the goodness of God in many ways in their lives. God had intervened in their lives and heard their cries and delivered them from bondage in Egypt. Exodus 3, 7. We have a wonderful text there. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. What a text, what a reminder for us today. When we see our brothers and sisters in Christ, in some parts of Iraq and other parts of the world, who are suffering, who are crying out, who are enduring so much. Do you think God hears their cries? Do you think so? He does. See, God has a relationship with his people. So Asaph knew of God's grace to his people, to those who are pure in heart. However, in spite of knowing of God's goodness to his people, notice what's going on here in, in verse 2. Asaph had almost lost his trust in God. He had almost lost his footing. Notice what he says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Have you ever gone, uh, uh, walking on a rock or, or something and you suddenly felt that you're slipping? Is that a very nice feeling? Not really. And Asaph is saying, I, I have nearly slipped. My feet has nearly gone down. I'm nearly stumbling. And Asaph is saying that he has come to a low point in his life in trying to make sense of what was happening in the world around him. He says, I had nearly lost my foothold and he began to doubt God. So does trust in God make sense? That's the question, isn't it? Why had he nearly slipped? What brought him to this point? What was the cause of him nearly slipping? And he gives us the reason that caused his feet to nearly slip. We see that in verses 
3 to 12. The reason his feet nearly slipped. He says this in verse 3. For I envied the arrogant. And what else? Anyone? You got your Bibles open? Verse 3. I envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see that? His problem was twofold. He envied the arrogant, the boastful. And he envied the prosperity of the ungodly. He saw the prosperity of the wicked. The word prosperity that is translated in the original word is the word shalom. Peace. It literally, it's, it's, that's the word that's been used here. The word also could mean peace. It means health. It means prosperity. And so the psalmist, Asa, began to question and to see the shalomness, the wellness, the prosperity of, of the ungodly and he began to compare them with his own life. See, he began to compare the wealth, the riches, the health of those who did not know and trust God in their lives as opposed to those who did and trust God in their lives. He envied what they had. They were in his mind enjoying the good life. Asaph was trying to make sense of this. To him, it did not make sense. How can this be God? (laughs) From his point of view, the ungodly had it all made. Look at verses 4 and 5. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy. They don't have any sickness. And strong. And they are free from common burdens. They are not plagued with human ills. Their bodies are okay. Their health is okay. Have you ever sometimes... Ask yourself the question, why? You and I know brothers and sisters in Christ have been uh, diagnosed with serious illnesses, serious cancers. Two colleagues of mine passed away, cancer. One was a young minister in Geelong with a young family. We struggled through that issue ourselves. Recently again, another minister, from, former minister of Epin, another brother in Christ. We know someone else who is suffering cancer as a brother in the Lord. And we might ask ourselves, why, why, what, what is happening God? It seems that it's your people who have been affected, it seems, and that's how the psalmist is seeing it. See, they are doing alright, but not me. See, Asaph saw the ungodly who did not trust God will live in life. Notice what he says. He gives a further description of their, their character here. You see, they decked themselves with pride as if it was jewelry which they wore around their necks to be displayed. Verse 6. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. And their boastful attitudes, verses 7 to 8, led them to violent actions. And their imaginations. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten an oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them. They drink and drink up waters in abundance. And they say this in verse 11. How would God know? Did you see that? Does the Most High know anything? quite clear what's happening here, isn't it? 
We can look at our world. We can look at our nation. And there might be people who will be saying the same thing about this God. Does this God know anything? Oh, Christians, they, they are just a weird bunch of people. Does Christianity have an answer to this world? No, they would say. Please keep God out of our lives, out of our schools, out of everything else. We don't want anything to do with this God. What a challenge, isn't it, for us? Professor Alan Harmon, who is well known to this congregation as a member of this church, principal of the PTC, former principal, in his book on the psalm says this, As proud boasters, they threaten others. They daringly talk as if they are God himself. And thus the whole world is theirs. Here we recognize attitudes and outward expressions of minds which dismiss God. Minds which dismiss God. Sounds familiar? I mean, some of the older members of this congregation, those who have lived here for all your life in Australia, as you look back, do you see the changes in this country today? Are we moving further and further away from the God that we knew and worshipped in this land? See what's happening. Outward expressions of minds which dismiss God. You see, the psalmist is saying they are healthy, they are in good shape, they had no struggles, they had money and prosperity to ace up the ungodly, were cruising through life, living a carefree, happy life of prosperity, good health and wealth, but not so God's people. How can this be? You see, do you see yourself in this psalm? Have you and I ever wondered why it seems that those who do not believe and trust the Lord seem to have it all made in this life? Have we not at times been tempted to ask ourselves, how come, Lord, that it seems that those who don't trust you, they seem to be living the good life. They are wealthy, they have good health, they have no struggles in life, they have no burdens in life, they are living life well, but those of us who trust you, Lord, we seem to be going through the battles. It seems that Christians are the ones who are going through the trials and persecutions. Why, Lord, it is not Fair. Life is not fair. So why should I trust you? Does it make sense to trust God? That's the question I believe that Asap was battling with. How come, Lord? And see verse 12, which gives us a kind of summary of Asap's view of what was going on. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care, going about amassing wealth. No wonder his foot slipped, friends. Nearly slipped. No wonder he began to doubt God. As he looked at the ungodly and their prosperity and their boastful attitudes, he thought to himself, what's the point in trusting you? And he was not afraid to deal with this issue. He was not afraid to talk about his difficulty in trusting God as he saw those who did not trust him prosper. Let's face it, it can be tempting, isn't it? For us as Christians to compare ourselves with non-Christians by looking at what they have and what we don't. Why should I trust God? Look at what I'm going through in my life. It's a trial. What's the point? Is it worth? Is it worth it? Is it? 
Say Asaph was honest in his struggles with God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book uh, on faith on trial says this, I know of nothing in the spiritual life more discouraging than to meet the kind of person who seems to give the impression that he or she is always walking on the mountain top. Many a saint in his pilgrimage as thank God for the honesty of the writers of the Psalms. You see, we can identify. Again, writing, he says, Thank God for the psalmist. They tell us the plain truth about themselves. They tell us the plain truth about what happened to them. So don't be afraid at times. When you're going through these doubting periods. To put yourself down. But rather look at what the psalmists were. And what they did and said. And we take comfort to know that we can ask the tough questions and find the answers in God's word. So what's the point of trusting God? Surely, look at verses 13 and 14. Look at what he's saying there, Asaph. Surely in vain, in vain have I kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. It's all in vain. We would say it this way today. What's the point of being a Christian? What's the point of being a Christian? What's the point of trusting you? What good is it, Lord? I might as well eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow I... You know that, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow I... Just live for this world. Who cares? You see... But Asaph was a child of God. He had a relationship with God. And he handled this situation very well. Because you look at verse 15. He says this. If I had spoken out like that. I would have betrayed your children. You see what he's saying. If I had gone out and spoken out like this. This is what he was thinking. But if he had gone out and said this thing aloud. He would have caused other believers to stumble. As one writer puts it. What one believer does and says may have a profound effect upon the believing community. And Asaph was not willing to be a stumbling block. And it troubled him. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. You see friends, trying to work out life's problems without God's help is futile. See, this was what Asaph was trying to do. And then... Look at verse 17. Something happens. There's a transition in this psalm. And what's the transition? Verse 17. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Do you see that? He did not get it at at first. Until he entered the sanctuary of God. Here at the sanctuary. Here at the temple. He finally began to understand what was going on. He got it. This was the turning point. This was the right about turn of the psalmist. And here at the sanctuary. He began to see life from God's perspective. At the sanctuary he began to see life from God's world view. Because at the sanctuary he said, I understood it. 
What happened? Here he began to understand the final destiny of those who did not trust God. Perhaps at the temple he may have studied the law of God. John Calvin says that. Another writer would put it, puts it this way and I think I, I agree with what, what the other writer says and that is that perhaps in the temple he saw the altar of sacrifice and saw the altar there and it reminded him, it reminded him of God's of the sacrifices that are placed and the holiness of God and reminded him of the justice of God and reminded him of death and eternity. And he saw it. What a blessing. Came to the sanctuary. Friends, things started to make sense to him. And here at the temple, he saw things from God's perspective. His eyes were opened as it were And he understood things from a God-given perspective. Things began to make sense. He saw the big picture and the end result of all who lived their lives for this world only. And he saw their destiny. Asap sees the big picture. He understood and says in verses 18 to 20, Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You can see that. Here is the picture of those who live without trusting God. There is a judgment that is coming. They vanish like a dream. They are like a dream. God will deal with them in judgment. Look at what Asap says about himself. As he looks back at his lack of understanding of God, verses 21 and 22. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was a... I was... What's the text saying there? Senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast. I was senseless. And then he comes to this point. Verses 23 to 28 as we wind up on this psalm. You guide me, Asap says, with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, what is it? Verse 28. As for me, it is good to be near I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. You see, Asaph has come to the realization. He sees the loving and gracious hand upon his life. And he says, yet I am always with you. And you hold me by my right hand. What a beautiful picture is that, friends. What a beautiful picture to know that God, that God himself, holds us by the right hand. As you journey through life, how much we need that guiding hand. When everything seems to be crumbling around us. And with the questions of life. And the questions of the prosperity of the wicked. And everything else happens. Sami says, God, you hold me by my right hand. And then, and then he says this. And you will take me into where? What does the text tell you? You will take me into what's it? Glory. Glory. 
what an amazing thing is that. What an amazing assurance to know that when this life has come to an end, the guiding hand of God will lead you into glory. You know, as a pastor, I've, I've been at the deathbeds of a few people. I remember a lady particularly in, in Nurat, uh, a beautiful, godly, Scottish lady. And uh, she was very low one day. I had a call from the, family, from the nursing home. And I went in there. It was late in the evening. And I stayed there for, for well over an hour or so. And she was called home. The family was there. And before that she had said to me, Chris, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home to my Savior. And the family was standing around the, around the bed. And she was taken home. It was so peaceful. The Lord's hand guiding her soul into glory. On a personal level, I think I've shared this before, you know, Rosa's mom passed away uh, quite a while now. And they'd all left. And I, I was there with my father-in-law and my sister-in-law. And my mother-in-law was so low. I just prayed with her. I pronounced the benediction, the, the, the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. She opened her eyes, closed it, and that was it. I said the Amen. At that point, the Lord in His grace, providence, took her home to be with Him. You see, the glory, the, the hand of God will never let us down. That's the picture here. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's looking into the future. He sees God's care to him. He sees through, through faith. God holding his hand and gently leading him. Asaph, the child of God. What a comfort, what a joy, what a hope, what a blessing. This is, friends. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me to glory. You see, whom have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh, my heart may fail. And it does. God is the strength of me, my portion. And those who are far from you, this is the texture again. There is judgment, there is grace, there is mercy, and there is judgment in this passage. Those who are far from you will perish and you will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. And that's a call for us, friends. Not to, not to look down upon others, not to envy our non-Christian friends, but to pray for them. Do you pray that God will help you to love your non-Christian family and friends? Do you pray for them? Do you love them? Do we build relationships with them? Does it bring ache? Does, does our hearts ache for those who don't know Christ? Because if they put their their lives on this world, it will go. It will go. Going, going, gone. It's like at an auction, isn't it? You stand at the auction there, and the auctioneer is, is uh, there's a property that was sold down our road. I just went recently just for the fun of it, just to see what was going on. And I see all these people standing there, and the auctioneer is going, oh, it's a beautiful place, and let me get you one more bid, one more bid, one more bid. And, and he's carrying on, and people are standing, put the jolly thing on the market, man. 
It's just great. Then he says, going, going, going. Oh, by the way, this is a great problem. Going, going, gone. That's what life is like. Where do we go? When our earthly life comes to an end. <clears throat> Never be afraid, friends. Because you know why? Listen to what Jesus says. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of... What is it? My hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So, does it make sense to trust God? Yes. Because at the cross... Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And yes, it might be tough on this earth. But the guiding hand of the Lord will indeed lead us on. And that's why we trust in Christ. We will have eternal life. We will never perish. No one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. So friends, does it make sense to follow God? Does it make sense to trust does trusting God make sense? Yes. Yes. And yes. When we are tempted to look around and compare ourselves with those who do not trust the Lord and envy what they have, remember the hand of God in Christ for you. When we look at this world through the eyes of Jesus, it makes sense. Because only then life makes sense. Because our worldview then is shaped by Christ. If you are a Christian this morning, then thank God for his hand upon your life. If you are not today as yet a Christian, then turn to Jesus and heed the warning of this psalm. As we close, does trusting God make sense? Of course it does. It does. Anything less and you are missing out in this world and in eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being with us this morning. We can be so tempted to look around others and compare ourselves with those who do not trust you and what they have and what we don't have. Life can be tough. But Lord, we know that we put our faith and trust in you. We thank you that the hand of God is upon our life and that in your time you will also take us into glory because of what everything Christ, your Son, has done for us at the cross. If there is anyone here this morning who is not a Christian as yet, may today that person come to you. To those of us who know you, Fill our hearts with the joy of our Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen.